0: Good morning. As Pastor Ryan said, my name is Dustin Johnston. I'm the Life Leadership College Director. Thank you, three of you uh, that uh, are excited for that. Uh, no, honestly, uh, next month, I believe, will be my wife and my one year anniversary of being here at Life Church with you guys. And it has been a pleasure. Thank you. We've made it this far. Yes, we survived. And uh, no, it's, it's been a, a pleasure being able to like walk through two semesters with 14 of our college students, and uh, it's continuing to uh, be a pleasure to do that. And so thank you, Life Church, for supporting Life Leadership College and what we're doing to raise up the next generation of church leaders. I also want to thank Pastor Aaron for allowing me this opportunity to preach today. I, I don't take it lightly, any opportunity that I get to preach the Word of God, I, I, I try to um, put enough preparation and prayer into it beforehand so that I have something worthwhile to bring out before you today. And I, my hope and intention is that that has taken place this morning and will take place. If you want to grab your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 15, that's where we're going to be. Luke chapter 15, and we're going to be looking at a particular story there. But as you turn, I've got a question for each and every one of us. It's about to get a little bit interactive this morning. On a scale from one. To ten, one being the lowest, ten being the highest. Where are you currently in your relationship with God? You don't have to answer out loud; that could get awkward really fastly. So just think in your mind right now. Grab a number. Where would you place yourself on that on that scale? Are, are you somewhere maybe in the 8 or 9 range, or you just think you're killing it with a 10 right now, and you are good with God? You you feel like your relationship with God is better than it ever has been before? In fact, your co-workers are starting, starting to look at you awkwardly. They think you're weird to be around because you just won't stop talking about Jesus, you're you're a freak. You, you say things like, I'm on fire. And they're like, well, do I need to, get, do I need to put you out? Like, are you okay? And you're, you're meaning something spiritual about it. Maybe that's not you and you are uh, like maybe the majority of us in, in the five or six area. And so you're good. Like, you've got a good relationship with God. Nothing, nothing too terrible is happening right now, but you're definitely not up at the top like those, those kind of like Jesus freak type people. And then you're not, you're not near, near the bottom. You're not apathetic towards your faith. You're at a good, what you might even say comfortable, five or six. And then there might be some of us that are down at the other end of the spectrum, somewhere around a, a two, or, or you might even see yourself as a one. Just, you, you just haven't felt that in a while. Or, or you might just not even like, care. Like You're here to please your, your spouse. Or you're here to please your parent this morning. Or you were dragged here uh, and, and, and you're just sitting here this morning. And you're a one and you're fine with being a, a one. Wherever you are on, on the spectrum this, this morning, how many of you would say that, that you want to get closer to God? I know this isn't everybody. Uh, there are a lot of people I understand that, that this might not have even crossed your mind, get closer to God. You've left this whole getting closer to God thing for, uh, for, for the pastor or the priest, or you've left it up to your mom or your spouse. And so for you, you've kind of just been checking off a list, or you're trying to be a better person, you're trying to be a good man or a good woman, but an actual relationship with God has never really, never really came on your radar until now. And so for those of you that are in this category, those of you that, that, that are on the spectrum and you want to grow closer to God, you want to know Him more, you want to experience Him more fully than, than you currently do, I, I want to ask us that we would all do one thing. As we read the story today, we're going to be reading the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. It's one of the most famous stories in all of scripture. Jesus actually tells the story. And if you've heard this story before, there's no spoilers, but there's, there's this boy that, that walks away from his father's home. And in hearing this story in the past, I think it had, it's very easy to think of a son or daughter that, that we have that, that has walked away from the faith and that we're praying for them to come back. Or, or, a, friend or a friend or family member who, who no longer has a relationship with Jesus, and so we're praying for the prodigal son to return home. And that's admirable, and that's good, and that's an appropriate way to interpret the text and to go about the story. But can we all this morning no matter where you are on that spectrum, can we put ourselves into the shoes of this character for once and believe that we all have something that can shift and something that can change, that, that we might be the prodigal in the story. Let, let, let's read and, and we'll find out what, what, I'm, what I'm talking about. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And Jesus told this story. There was a man who had two sons, The younger one said to his father, "'Father, give me my share of the estate.' And so he divided the property between them. Not long after, the younger son got together all that he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed pigs." Which is just a glorious job, by the way. I've never done it. I just imagine. He longed then to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am, starving to death. I will set out, and I will go back to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they begin to celebrate. From this story, we actually discover the process that you must go through in order to get back to God. It's not enough to just want to get back. Want doesn't do anything. It's not enough to just think about getting back to God. You're not going to wake up one day and just be closer to God than you ever were before. You've actually got to do something about it. And so I don't know where you are today. You might be far, 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 far away from God. And maybe, maybe you've just kind of felt distant for a week. Maybe for some of you it's been a couple of weeks or a couple of months. And now you long to once again be close to God. You long to fill his presence again, to be at rest knowing that he loves you, that he saved you, that he's called you, that he has a purpose for your life. Listen, we all want to be closer to God. The question is, how? H- how do we get back to God. How do we get closer to God? For those of us that are close, how do we take one step closer? From the story of the prodigal son, we have we have three steps that we must take that will lead us on a pathway back to God. Number 1, we must first get fed up. We have to get fed up. We have to get sick and tired of the state that we are currently living in. And listen, this is good for any goals that you might have in your life. Do you, do you set some goals? Hopefully you do. You set some goals in your life. Uh, if you want to get in shape, the very first thing you must do is get fed up with being out of shape. You have to get sick and tired of your gut hanging down to your knees. You have to get sick and tired of being winded after you wake up or walk up one flight of steps. You have to get sick and tired of being out of shape. That's the first step that you must take to get into shape for our students. That uh, if you want to get better at math, you can't just wish, help me be better at math, help me be better at math, help me. I wish that it worked that way, it doesn't. You have to first get fed up with your poor test results. You have to first get fed up with having to lie to your parents what, what test scores you actually made. Uh, if you uh, want to get better at math, you have to first get fed up with, with being bad at math. Uh, maybe maybe for, for some of us. If you want to make more money, which is a good and admirable and fine goal, you have to first get fed up with being broke. You have to first get fed up with being in debt. You have, to, you have to first get fed up with where you currently are so that God can move you to where he wants you to be. So first things first, get fed up with where you are now. Nothing in your life is going to change if you don't first get dissatisfied with where you currently are. And if you are sitting here this morning and saying, all right, Pastor Dustin, I'm actually fine with where I am right now. Like, I'm good to go. I don't, I don't need any change in my life. Okay, great, great. Now, listen, this message is not for you like seriously you could check out right now some of you have already done so all right so maybe you're in that category just go ahead and pull out your phone write a love letter to your to to, to your spouse your boyfriend your girlfriend do something else because this is not going to do anything for you because god god doesn't work that way god's not going to force himself on you if you don't want to change you're not going to change if you, don't want, if you don't want to do what it takes to change, then, then, um, then you're not going to magically get better than you are th- right now. No positive change is going to happen until, in your life until you decide, I don't like where I am right now. You've got to get to the point where you are fed up with being distant from God. might even use the word desperate here. You have to get desperate for change. Can we look back at our story of this prodigal son, uh, of this man that walked away? Listen, at first it was great. <laughs> at first he was loving it. I mean, he spent everything. And, and we read this and it looks like, it, it sounds like it happened so quickly. But I mean, I imagine months or even years of this boy living the life. I mean, he went down to the Vegas Strip. He was, he, he was enjoying every, every luxury known to man at the time. He spent everything. The scripture says then he began to be in need. Which happens when you spend everything. And then he longed to fill his stomach. He was desperate for his circumstances to change. And then and only then does the Bible say that he came to his senses. That's where true transformation begins. Are you there yet? Are you there yet? If not, I guess that's okay, like it's an okay position to start, but let me kind of just let you know what's going to happen for you. It, things are going to begin to get difficult. At first, it's going to be just a little bit of rain. It's going to be inconvenient. It's, it's going to be uh, bothersome, but it's not, it's not going to... It's not going to take you under, but, but it is going to get you a little damp as God sends the rain. And he's, he does it not because he's a cruel or malicious God. God is not sitting in heaven trying to do mean things to you. He's hoping that you'll relent, hoping that you'll repent, hoping that you'll turn back to him. And if you don't, God, in his infinite grace and mercy, will then send a storm. And torrential rains will begin to pour down in and around your life. and and the lightning and the thunder will will roll in, and you will be very uncomfortable. Why does God do this? It is because he he loves you just the way that you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. God doesn't want you to waste your life. God, God, God doesn't want you to ruin your life, and so he's going to do everything that he can to draw you back to his side. The Bible actually says that he is knocking at the door of your heart, just waiting for you to respond, waiting for you to answer. What are you going to do about it? He's there waiting to get in, waiting to come in and invade your life in such a good and glorious way. And so many of us are closing our ears to the sounds at the door. The first step in true transformation, the first step in getting closer to God, coming back to God, is to get fed up with the way that you are currently living. Jeremiah 29.13 says this, You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. It's contingent on that when. You must seek with all of your heart so that you will then seek and find. To truly have God transform your life, you must seek him with your whole heart. You cannot live the life that you are currently living. You cannot say the things that you are currently saying. You cannot think the things that you are currently thinking and at the same time love and serve God. It doesn't work that way. It's it's either or. It's, It's one or the other. You have to first get fed up with the way that you're currently living and say that there's got to be more to life than this. And once you do that, true transformation can begin. Get fed up. The second thing that we see from this prodigal son that he did to come back to God and that you and I should do, I must, number two, own up to my sin. That's the second thing that the guy in our story did. Number one, he got fed up. Number two, he owned up. Verse 21, when he came to his senses, the boy said to his father, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. You've got to get to the point that you'll admit, I have not been living my life God's way. I've been living my life my way. I, I, I've been living, I, I've been doing the things that I think is best. I've been living my life for the moment or for the thrill or, or for fun or for money or prestige or position. Or maybe I've been living according to my fears, my faults, my failures, my insecurities, For some of you in this room today, it's time to stop playing games and to own up to your sin. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 59-2 says, Your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. That is a terrifying verse. Let me ask, have you ever... Have you ever prayed and felt like God was a million miles away? Yeah. Have you ever come into a worship experience like this one, and um, you've we we sung and and the preaching and, and prayer, and you looked around and people were engaged and looked like they were experiencing something, and you just felt nothing, or, or maybe. Maybe for some of you, you, you've never even felt God before, so me even describing something like that or, or, or what you've seen today, you have no clue what that is all about. You, you've never felt his presence, you've never heard his, his voice, and you feel like that if there is a God, he's nowhere near you. And Maybe, and just maybe in part, it's actually true. Because the Bible makes clear in places like Isaiah 59 that that your sins, they separate you from God. That they they cast you out of God's presence. That that, that your sins provide a, a gap between the presence of a holy God and the sinfulness of a fallen man. Sin separates us from God. He's everywhere at all times, but it separates us in ways like this. It separates us from the blessings of God. It separates us from the benefits of God's love. And yes, even at times, it separates us from the protection of God. And that's why I say this verse is terrifying. That is a scary place to be, that knowing that when we give ourselves over to our sins, that that actually deafens the ears of God to our prayers. That blinds the eyes of God to our circumstances, and it casts him from our presence. I get it. Like sin is gross. We don't we don't like to talk about it. It's embarrassing to talk about sin. We don't like to admit that we're struggling with lying. So we'll just tuck it away, we'll hide it away. We don't like to admit that we are addicted to pornography. So we just act like it's, it's not happening. We don't like to admit that we're greedy. We don't like to admit that we're full of anger. But I'll tell you this, sin brought to light has no place to hide. And I know it's embarrassing and I know it's humiliating to confess your sins. It is a humiliating experience to admit that you are a flawed individual. But newsflash for us all, we are, an, we are all a jacked up people. Do you know that? We are all broken. We don't have to act like we have it all together. The gospel never calls for that. Christianity was never that way. It was never perfect people coming to a perfect God. It was always imperfect people coming to a perfect God and being saved by a perfect savior. That's the gospel. And so you must understand that not only are you broken, but the person sitting beside you is broken. Like if you were perfect and you came into this service today, then then you are awkward and out of place because nobody else in this room is perfect. You have messed all of this up. We are all a flawed, broken, marred, scarred group of individuals and it is time to admit that. We must own up to our sins or it will separate us from God. That is not even a maybe, that is a promise. If you are here... In this service, and you feel far from God, guess who moved? It wasn't God. He's not playing some cosmic game of hide and seek from you. If you feel far from God, it wasn't God who moved, it was you. And as tragic as that sounds, it's actually very good news. Do you know why? Because if you are desperate enough to come back to God, and if you go looking for him, he will be exactly where you left him. The fact is, you are as close to God as you want to be, and you cannot blame anyone else for your distance. You cannot blame your church You cannot blame your mom. You cannot blame your dad, your friends. You can't blame me. I barely even know you. And you definitely can't blame Pastor Aaron. No one else sins for you. You've got your sins covered. Some of you are really good at your sins. (laughs) Like you've got your sins taken care of. And some of us are just oblivious to the sins that we are even committing in our life. And maybe it's time to come to God and say, God, will you reveal to me the dark areas of my life where there is sin residing? And it will be a, a terribly tragic experience, but it will be a, a, an incredibly beneficial one as you realize the sins that are resident in your life and we all take those and we lay them down at the feet of Jesus never to be picked up again. The final step that we get here from the story of the prodigal son, the final step to take to get closer to God is number three, to offer up myself. It's for you to offer up yourself. This is the third thing that the young man in our story did. He got fed up. Scripture says that he came to his senses. He owned up. He said, I've sinned before both God and you. And then he offered up. Will you look back here at the story, verse 12, notice the difference in the things that he says before and after his transformation, will you? In verse 12, this is before his transformation, he says, Father, give me my share of the estate. After his transformation, verse 19, he says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Do you see the difference between these two verses? It is a huge monumental difference because he begins by saying, give me, give me, give me. I want, give me, give me, give me. And then he came back saying, make me. That is true transformation. When your heart goes from self-centeredness to God-centeredness, and believe me, Life church. it is a process. It is not an overnight shift. It is not an overnight transformation. It is a process that you and I must go through. God is still working on me, and God is definitely still working in you. In fact, God's working in all of us. Do this for me. Will you, in your mind right now, think of the most holy person you know? Think of the most righteous person you know. If you're thinking about yourself, you're wrong. Think of someone else. Think of someone in your life. You might lean over to your spouse right now and be like, it's you, baby. But uh, think, of, th- think of that person, your aunt, your grandmother, oh, that priest that is just uh, like a glow surrounds him. Can you just think of the most holy person you know right now? And let me tell you, God is still working on her. God is still working on even him, and it will be a lifelong process of, of realizing your sin, offering it up to God, realizing who you, your sin, offering it up to God. It's going to be a continual process, but it is a process that you and I must be on if we have any hopes of growing closer to God. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul says, "...and we all are being transformed into God's image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit." and we all are being transformed. I understand when you were saved, you were transformed. When we come into the presence of God in heaven one day, we will be transformed. We we have been transformed, we will be transformed, but right now we are being transformed. There is a process, a work that is going on within our lives so that we can become more like Christ, so that we can put to death sin more frequently, so that we can become more and more and more holy. It is a process, but every process, my friends, begins with a decision. So my question, it's not necessarily are you going through the process, but have you made the decision? Have you made the decision to offer up yourself, to come before your heavenly father and simply say, make me into the man that you desire me to be. Make me into the woman that you desire me to be. There will be no process until there is first a decision. Paul later encourages us in Romans chapter 12. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer up your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And I think here Paul has much more in mind than just kind of your physical body. You're like, what does God want with my body? My body is too big, or my body is too small, or my body is too ugly, my body's too slow, my body's too too stiff and rigid. I can barely move around anymore. Why does God want my body? Well, He does want your physical body, but I think this is more kind of in, in total. Uh, God in holistically wants all of you. And until you're ready to give yourself up completely as a living sacrifice, there will always be a gap between you and God. There will always be a distance, a a void that you cannot cross on your own. And you've got to go through the process. The process begins with a decision. And the decision that leads to the process is that you must get fed up with where you currently are. You've got to own up to your sins. You've got to get honest with God and say, "This is." you already know who I am and you already know what I struggle with, but I'm admitting to you that this is what my struggles are. This is what my sins are. These are the dark recesses of my soul that I'm bringing before you. And in that act, you offer up yourself as a living sacrifice. That's what we must do, and then God does the rest. I know you might feel like that is a lot on your plate, that that is a lot that you must walk through, but it's very simply can be summed up in one single word. Turn. Turn. That's the word. That's the action that the young man took to go back to the father. And that is the action that you and I must take. Get fed up, own up, and and then offer up. That is just a simple act of turning back to God. And please do not miss the father's response. Look back in our story. Verse 20. While he, the boy, the the, the prodigal son, was still a long way off, his father saw him, and he was filled with compassion for him. And he ran out to meet his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him kissed him. Look, his father did not wait for the young man to get all the way home before he opened the door and let his son in. No, he ran out to meet his son. God is the exact same way. It it, it has never been, you come 50% and God will meet you halfway. It's never been that way. God takes the initiative. God runs out to you and God never holds a grudge. There is nothing that you have done that will, that will disgust God enough to stay away from you. There is nothing that you have done that is new. You might think that you are the only one with struggle, that struggles with it. That is exactly what the enemy wants you to believe. You and everyone else all throughout history have struggled with some of the same things and God knows what they are, knows that they're ugly, but knows how to correct that, knows how to eliminate that, knows how to bring you back into the fold and into the family. And when you turn back to him, he runs back to you with arms wide open, ready to embrace you. And once he does the true celebration, Begins. Verse 22 The father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on, and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. They threw a party. Life church, God specializes in finding lost things. He is searching for you. He is looking for you, and he wants you to come home. If you have messed up royally, he forgives you. If you have done bad things or bad things have been done to you, he wants to embrace you in the embrace of a loving father. Our God is a loving, forgiving, saving God, and he is waiting for you to respond this morning. My prayer in leading up to the service has been that there will be some of you that this morning for the first time decide, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Some of you might have never served God before. You might not have any kind of relationship with him. Some of you might have served him before but you've kind of drifted away. Just kind of going through the routine now. it's, It's just a checklist for you. It's not a relationship. some of you might be okay with God, but you can always take one more step. No matter where you are on the spectrum that we talked about at the start of this message, no matter where you are on the spectrum of proximity to God today, this is your chance to come back. This is your chance to turn, to turn from your past, to turn from your sins, To turn from the things that have defined you and turn to the loving Father who is running back to you. You have never sinned so much to make God turn His back on you. All the time He has been waiting where you left Him, pleading for you to return home. God has already done His part. I mean, all throughout his, so he sent his son that was a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Jesus, and who, who, who lived and died and, and rose again and then ascended into heaven is preparing a place for us. God has wooed you by his Holy Spirit. He has brought you here to this service today and it is not by accident that you are sitting here. Now, God is in this moment working on your heart. He's working on your heart so that you would respond. So that as you hear the knocking, you would run to the door and open it up. God is running your direction. Would you simply respond by turning back to him? It all begins with a decision. Are you ready to get closer to God?